little teary-eyed during that. And those of you that are that are moms, um, we just really, really appreciate you. And there's all different types of moms, even represented in this room, um, moms through uh, biological moms or uh, foster care. We've got a lot of foster care moms and adoptive moms and, I mean, every type of flavor that you can think of. And I just want you to know we really, really appreciate you. And I was actually, I wasn't sure if I was going to do this, but let me just see. Should we just, should we just see? Hmm. I wonder. I wonder if my mom's still in church. Do you think she's still in church? Let's see here. If not, then what we could do is we could just leave her a message or something. You guys think that's a good idea? Hope she has an appropriate voice message. I don't. I guess I didn't screen it before. I'm sorry, but the person you called has a voicemail box. That, that not does not sound like my mom. Goodbye. Um, well. Guess she's gonna get a text message. You wanna you wanna text her what we what we did and uh, hey, I'd like to just pray over uh, our, our our moms this morning. And uh, you know what I do know about about days like today is that that it comes with joy and it comes with pain. It comes with uh, all kinds of uh, incredible emotions and and sometimes some sorrow and all of that. Um, also. Uh, it's a day where sometimes we look at it and we think, wait a minute, there's only one day a year that we get to celebrate moms? And, like, shouldn't we do this every day? And uh, Couldn't it be a reminder for us that, um, hey, this should be kind of an everyday occurrence that we love, love our moms? And um, some of us, even in this room, uh, it would be, it'd be a good idea for us to let Holy Spirit look at our hearts in areas of forgiveness and, uh, and pain and just say, okay, God, I've been carrying this too long. And, uh, and I give it to you. What, wouldn't that be an incredible gift on Mother's Day to give that pain over to the Lord? And so, Lord, all over this room right now, uh, we just thank you. Uh, we thank you for, for moms and what they've instilled in us. And, Lord, I just, um, all over this room from my right to my left, I just uh, I come into agreement with freedom and healing, um, life, health, and wholeness. Lord, that there would be um, uh, just an increased strength. Lord, your word says, as our day is, so shall be our strength. And Lord, I just know that, that there's enough people in this room that there is at least one person that is at the end of their ropes in motherhood. And Lord, we just declare um, supernatural strength over them right now. Lord, would you encourage, would you bless? And it's because of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Good to see you guys. Everyone doing all right? Hey, I was, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest. We're going to get into my message today. <laughs> Let me just be honest. Um, there are, a, there, there's a, uh, every once in a while on days like this, on Mother's Day, I pick a, a message that is geared towards moms. And, and, and everyone's like, hey, that's a great idea. Um, every, every once in a while, like, uh, like a couple years ago, I don't know if it was last year or the year before we did, like, do you remember we did a panel discussion of moms and things like that? This is not that year. 
I, I just felt like um, we, were, we were supposed to honor moms, but then continue in my sermon series. And so um, if anyone was here last week, you remember um, we just kind of hit it out of the park with the topic of sin, and we're going to continue that path today. And so if you came for an encouraging message, I'm just going to pause for about 30 seconds, close my eyes, and if you'd like to, it, to go off and have uh, lunch at Hy-Vee or something like that, anybody? We're going to go. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, if you're with us. Um, I've been enjoying just diving into God's Word and not skipping. Any of you, like, you're reading through the Bible and, you, and you're like, eh, you know. I mean, it's just, I didn't feel much life on that skip. And you skip to the next, the next chapter. This is, this is one of those chapters we started last week in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Let me just give a little bit of background if you're with us and uh, for the first time. 1 Corinthians, um, Paul wrote this letter to a church in Corinth. It's a real city uh, back in Bible days. And this, this church was smacked up right in the middle of a city that would be like um, Las Vegas or New York or Los Angeles. I mean, it was like, it was that busy. It was uh, bustling. There was business. There was entertainment. There was, you know, fast-paced life, all that stuff. There were temples to gods and all of this. There was one temple that specifically was to the god uh, um, Aphrodite. And, and they had temple prostitution. And I mean, it was just incredible. So, so Paul comes about four years before he writes this, and he, and he writes it, and, uh, and he, plants, he plants this church right in the middle of, of that, of that culture. And the idea was that this church was supposed to impact culture instead of the culture impacting the church. Well, four years later, he gets a report that culture has absolutely impacted this church. In fact, we started last week on a really gross sin that he's like, hey guys, I want to I address this. Um, and so the, the, the culture had started to, to affect this church. Uh, I want to start off though and remind us, because it's been a few weeks. If, you're, if you have your Bibles or your Bible apps or whatever you, you read, or if you've memorized it and you trust me, you could just, or if you want to read it on the screen, um, Oh, I don't think I put this on the screen, so you're just going to have to trust me that it's in your Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. This was how Paul started the whole letter. And isn't it good to just kind of remind ourselves of these verses? Watch this. This is Paul to the church in Corinth. He says, For you have been made pure, set apart in the anointed one, Jesus, and God has invited you to be his devoted and holy people. And not only you, but everyone everywhere who calls on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Everyone say, that's me. You guys are, when, when a preacher says that, it's so that I can get a little bit of feedback, all right? Let me just read. Uh, everyone everywhere who calls on the name of our Lord Jesus, everyone say, that's me. All right, thanks. And the, as their Lord and ours also. He says this, may joyous grace and endless peace be yours continually from our Father God and from our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. Verse 4, he says, I am always thanking my God for you because he has given you such free and open access to his grace through your union with Jesus the Messiah. In him, you have been made extravagantly rich in every way. You have been endowed with a wealth of inspired utterance and the riches that come from your intimate knowledge of him. For the reality of the truth of Christ is seen among you and strengthened through your experience of him. So now you aren't lacking any spiritual gift as you eagerly await the unveiling of the Lord Jesus, the anointed one. 
He will keep you steady and strong to the very end, making your character mature so that you will be found innocent on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is forever faithful and can be trusted to do this in you, for he has invited you to co-share the life of his son Jesus, the anointed one, our king. Isn't that so encouraging? We could just say that he's talking to me and he's talking to you. And I love that he started this letter that way because we can look at this and we can say, okay, so he's saying some hard things, but he's saying, in essence, this isn't who you really are. This is who you really are. Like, like these, these verses here, these first nine verses in 1 Corinthians, this is how I see you. This is how God sees you. But somewhere along the line over these last four years, you've gotten off track. Can we just, can we get right back on track? So that was, that was week number one. And then a few weeks later in week six, um, we started in first chapter four, or verse chapter four. We started in chapter four. And it was, uh, it was one through 16. We talked about um, below deck. Anyone here for below deck? We talked under rowers. That we were designed, to, it, it, the whole topic was really on pride and servanthood. Like, it's not about me. I'm just an under rower is what Paul says. And he's calling us, this whole church, to be under rowers. To, to, uh, to, that, it's, that it's really like everything we do is giving glory to him. And if I'm taking the credit, then I'm in the wrong place. Pride starts to set up. And then last week, week seven of the series was, what are you tolerating? And we started in chapter five. Um, I want to I want to skip here. Here's a here's a verse. Second Corinthians chapter two verse verse four. He says this. He says, "For for I I wrote you out of great distress and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to grieve you, but to let you know the depth of my love for you." So this was. Years later was the, the second letter that he wrote to the church in Corinth. It was actually the third letter, but, but you know, that's for Bible scholars to understand, I guess. But the second, second Corinthians. And he wrote this, and he's thinking back about this letter we're discussing today. And Paul is saying, I, I wrote that first letter. Man, I was actually crying. My heart was in pain when I was writing these. I wasn't writing this as, a, as an angry man wanting to bop you over the head with a baseball bat. He's like, I was writing this out of anguish and tears because I love you so much. I want us to, um, I want us to watch a, a, a quick video. Uh, this is uh, John Bevere's ministry. Um, me- um, I think it's called a Messenger International, and they they create a couple cool videos. Watch this. Hey, bro, look, check it out. Labradoodle. What? Yeah, right down there. Good breed. So good. Yes, half lab, half moodle. Wait, what? Incredible. Moodle? Yeah. No, that's mm-hmm. not a thing ever. No, no, it totally is. Uh, a moodle. Isn't that, isn't that Dave from Econ? Oh, yeah. What is he doing up here? He's probably just enjoying the view, man. Wait, isn't, isn't Dave blind? Hey, hey, Dave. Whoa, 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 bro. What are you doing? You can't, you can't just tell Dave what to do. Wait, why? Are you blind? Uh, no. Okay, so then you don't know 
what Dave's gone through. You can't really relate to him, man. Just, just, just let him be. He's totally fine. He's literally slipping right now. Wait, okay, you're gonna, you're gonna get all up on him for, for slipping. Like everyone slips from here and there. I don't it's care no if he slips. I'm just trying to keep a guy from falling off a cliff. No, no. Okay, listen. What, what I think you need to do right now. You just need to love him. You need to not point out. What does that have to do with anything? It has everything to do with everything. Okay, like if you if you point out his weaknesses, he won't feel loved. He won't feel accepted. I'm just, feel I'm accepted. just trying to keep a guy from going off the cliff. No, he's you, not even stopping. You, hey, Dave! No, whoa, whoa, whoa! Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! You speak out against blind people. So what many people will be upset with you? with you. No, so many people won't like you. But also, what if what if he doesn't like us anymore? You've ever thought about that? Dave will be dead. I need to say, hey, no, no, Dave, no, 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 Dave! Someone, is someone there? Uh, yeah. Hey, Dave, how's it going? It's, uh, it's Charlie from school. Oh, hey, man. Doing this for Dave's birthday. Maybe you can help me out. I seem to have lost a trail somewhere. You, you want to tell me if I'm going the right way? Maybe he is lost. You're right. We, we should still just encourage him. Yeah, yeah, hey, no, Dave, you know, you're doing great, man. Uh, uh, you know, I love that you're out here, man, too. I'm proud of you, being out on this trail. You're, you're doing great, man, you're, you're doing great. Oh, okay, thanks, man. I guess I am going the right way. Watch, I'll figure it out. You just gotta love him through his problems. Yeah, you got it, man. It's a funny clip, but isn't that true? I want to talk about what are you tolerating, part two. Last week was part one. And here's the main thought. Tolerating sin of any kind leads to a lack of awareness of sin's destruction, a lack of effectiveness in reaching the world, and eventually a lack of relationship with God. And so we started here in, uh, in, the, in the first uh, couple of verses. We actually only got to the first couple of verses, but let me, uh, let me recap um, Paul says, it's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that even pagans do not tolerate. In fact, in the Passion Translation, it says um, that this, uh, he, he says that this is a kind that goes against the social norms of society. Isn't that crazy? So it, it, we just talked about Corinth and how crazy Corinth is and, and all of the different things that they tolerate. And he says, wait a minute, you're tolerating stuff in your church that, that the pagans would say, you've crossed the line. You've kind of crossed the line here. It makes me uncomfortable, is what the pagans would be saying. He goes on, he says, a man is sleeping with his father's wife and you're proud? Shouldn't you have have rather gone into mourning and have put out of your fellowship the man who's been doing this? In the Passion Translation, it says it, this way. It says, shouldn't this heartbreaking scandal bring you to your knees in tears? You must remove the offender from among you. And we, last week, we said that, that there's actually going to be an example of a person that we were going to kick out of church today. I'm not going not gonna to do that at all. But this is the extreme of, of, of 
of sin. This is like, Paul's using a, an example of this, of, man, this guy should be removed because he's like, this has gone to the utmost of where we, we don't want to be. And do you guys remember last week we said this, is that um, they probably didn't start out this way. This man, he probably didn't get saved four years earlier under Paul's leadership and then um, like the next day start sleeping with his stepmom. It was probably over time. There was probably um, one little thing that was tolerated here and another little thing that was tolerated here and the leadership was probably like, oh, you know what, that's okay. You know, um, we're, we're just like the cliff. Like, like, like he's just coming down and wait, isn't that guy blind? Well, we don't want to say something against blind people, right? That was, this is exactly probably, and finally, four years later, the guy's like right on the edge of the cliff and, and because of this church's inability to recognize, right over the edge, right over the edge. We use the example of the church in Revelation, um, chapter two and verse 18, uh, um, and the, Jesus, through John, writes a letter to this church and says, you tolerate that woman Jezebel. And he says, I've given her time to repent of her immorality, but she's unwilling. And it's the same case with this guy. Like, this wasn't like all of a sudden, oh, he's sinned, he's out. This was like, man, I've given him time. I've been patient. I've loved him. I, just like I love you. And, and he finally, finally crossed the line. There's been a heavy emphasis. If you know me at all, you know that I'm, I'm such a grace guy. I, I, I love people. I love grace. Um, we, we, when we talk, I mean, there's some people that are like, um, give them the word, pastor. And, and others are like, hey, chill, chill out a little bit. Like, like you know, candy coat it just a, and I'm, I'm probably like somewhere in between. If I lean towards like, you know, just a spoonful of sugar will make the medicine go down. And, and uh, I'm probably not as much fire and brimstone. But I, I, I read stuff like this and I'm like, you know what? There's no real way to say it other than just saying it. And, and when, when we talk about uh, grace and, and all of this stuff, I mean, it's like a, um, there's a heavy emphasis on grace that covers, but not a grace that empowers. Like, like there's, uh, there's the, let me off of this hook, grace. How many of you like that part? I'm, I'm good with that. I am so thankful that I'm going to heaven and that I got let off the hook. Like I was, I, I've said this before, that we all deserve to go to hell right? But God, but Jesus, and the cross, and the bloody sacrifice, and the death, burial, and resurrection. I mean, that's, we all deserve that. But grace isn't just to let us off the hook. It's also to empower us. Man, if we're, if we can't get over sin, then we're, then we're believing a lesser gospel. Like, it's powerful enough to change you, to free you, and so we've talked about what's behind this tolerance of sin, whether it be a corporate thing or even an individual thing. And really it's this, it's our misguided understanding of what God's love is. <laughs> like those guys in the video, right? They're, they're out of a sense of love and not wanting to offend and, and everyone's got their own journey and, and, and it'll be okay. Like out of some warped sense of, of what they felt like love was, they just kind of stayed quiet instead of, Man, I love you enough to let you know that you're going to go off a cliff. Ephesians, Paul was talking to another church in Ephesus, and he says, instead, speaking the truth in love will grow to become, in every 
respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. It's this truth spoken with love. We talked about how truth without love kills. And love without truth just lets people live however they want and hopefully it all works out in the end. This powerful scripture, 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10, just really ministered to me the last few weeks. It's actually brought me to my knees before God. It says, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. It's this thing where uh, you've probably experienced sorrow over poor choices because of how it affects your spouse, because of how it affects your friends, because of how it affects the, the community or your job or whatever. You've probably experienced, like, man, like there's some sorrow because of poor choices and what it's done. And, and, but when was the last time you or me, and I'm just thinking, I, I mean, recently I just found myself just, just sitting and just saying, God, would you produce this in me? But when was the last time our sin produced godly sorrow where I was like, God, I am so sorry because it's affecting you and me. Like no other reason, like no other, no other benefit other than I get close to him. I was thinking of it another way. You know, Paul wrote, wrote to, the, to the church in Ephesus and, and he said um, in chapter four, um, he said that, that our sin grieves the Holy Spirit. And I used to think, well, Man, God's just angry. Our sin grieves him, and he's just angry. And that's not even remotely close to what grieving means. Grieving, the definition of grieving is that there is intense pain over the loss of intimacy with somebody. Any of you ever grieved in here? Anyone ever, like, someone died close to you? You know what I'm talking about? And you're, you're just, did you cry over that? Was there pain? Did it take you a few days, weeks, months to, to get through and to function again? Any of you, you don't have to raise your hand, but has there been a divorce or has there been a betrayal or has there been a, you know, and you're just like, your heart hurts because you used to be close and now you're not. Someone moved across the country and you're just like, we're just not close and you're just, there's pain. That's the level of pain the Holy Spirit feels. He's like, I'm grieving because it's not because of an identity issue. It's not because uh, necessarily a heaven versus hell thing he's like we're just not close anymore and I want us to 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 close that relational gap and that's what sin does and and so on the other side then then Paul's talking to this church in uh, in Corinth and he says he says um shouldn't your sin also grieve you that not only does it grieve him, but it grieves you. And he has this intense pain over the lack of closeness. Well, and now, why don't you have this intense pain because of the lack of closeness? And do you think that if both of you are in pain because of the lack of intimacy and closeness, that it might actually close the relational gap? That's the truth. That's what's going on. It has nothing to do with trying to make people feel bad and guilt, shame, and condemnation. It has everything to do with trying to our best to say, God, I want to be close to you. And anything that hinders, couldn't that be our prayer? Lord, anything that hinders. How many know that there's probably some things that we're aware of that hinder, but there's probably a whole list of things we're unaware of. That's why King David said in the Psalms, he said, would you search me and know me? 
Would you see if there's anything inside me? In other words, God, if there's blind spots, if there's things I'm just unaware of, I'm just living in this culture, I'm just kind of going through this thing, and there might be some things that I'm unaware of that cause you pain, Lord, would you show me? Because I don't want anything to hinder my relationship with you. So last week, gosh, I I hate to do this at the end of a sermon, and last week I just said, well, I'm just going to drop the bomb on you. If anyone was here, I said that there were three things I felt like our church struggled with, and some of you came back, and so praise God, and some of you are new this week, and so uh, I hope you're all right. And I was like, I was like, well, because here was the question. It was, what if Jesus wrote a letter to our church, right? You know, Uh, I I wish I was reading the letter he wrote to Grace Church down the street because that would make me feel a little bit more encouraged right now. Look at what Jesus wrote to Grace Church or what Jesus wrote to New Life or what, no, no, uh, what was he writing to to our church? And this is just a shot in the dark. I had a sense that this is what the Lord was revealing, partly because I can see my own faults and partly because I'm just like, you know what, this is what's happening here. In the last three years or so, as I've felt like, Top three, and I'm going to go into them a little bit deeper right now. First, I felt like pride. I felt like, like pride is something we struggle, we, corporately. Next week, we'll talk a little bit more individually. But I felt like corporately, like sometimes we struggle with, with pride. And you say, well, Pastor Jonathan, well, what's that mean? What's that all about? Chapter 4 of, of 1 Corinthians, I, I, I touched on this quite a bit with the under rowers. But it's this place where I elevate myself. Where, uh, and we don't always do it intentionally. We don't always think, I think I'm going to elevate myself. But, but, but there's this thing that sneaks in, and it's kind of like this uh, um, kind of undercurrent that, that maybe we don't like articulate it this way, but I'm making myself um, bigger. I'm making myself taller. Well, I don't have to you know, worry about that a whole lot, but I'm making myself, like, uh, look at me. And so it becomes this pride thing. Instead of where Paul says, like, actually don't look at us. We're just under rowers. We're just on this third level of this trying ship that goes into battle. We can't even see out the windows. We're just rowing this thing. There's a captain that gets all the glory, and we're just rowing. We're just rowing. And so, and so I start, I, I've seen that sometimes. It's a, it's a feeling, whether you know it or not, um, in your head, you can at least feel the feeling. It's a feeling of being better than others. A couple of weeks ago, I, I mentioned that in my own life, that that's something I, oh, I, I feel so, so stupid sometimes admitting it in front of all of you that, man, there's times I've struggled with feeling better than others. Man, I can remember times like that in my life where I would say things. Like, remember we, we, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about sarcasm. I used to be, not that I, some of you are like, you still are, but I used to be like, like the, like the worst with sarcasm. You remember the two definitions I gave you a few weeks ago? It was uh, sarcasm is the, the cutting of flesh. How many like that one? Yeah? Or here, here's this. Sarcasm is uh, socially acceptable emotional abuse. <laughs> and so it, it, it leaves someone else feeling like, like, uh, like an idiot, and it makes you feel like, like, uh, like I'm, yeah. <laughs> I just put them down, so I put me. Man, I would do that. I would do that all the time, and I just, uh, Romans 12 is this place right there at the beginning. I think it's Romans 12, um, 1 and 2, and it says to, to, not, uh, to not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather what? 
think of yourself, in one translation it says sober judgment. Like, in other words, I don't want to think of, uh, of uh, I don't want to think less of myself. I just want to think about myself less. How many know that God thinks the world of you? Like, he thinks you're amazing. He thinks you're wonderful. He's got great plans in the store, and there's dreams. And he's like, he, he lays at night and thinks about you and thinks, how are we going to spend tomorrow together, right? I mean, he thinks about you. But, so there's this place. I don't want to think, like, less of myself because God doesn't. But I do want to think about myself less sometimes, like, like putting others first. And that's where that place of pride, if, that, if that's not you, then don't like put it on yourself. But if that's you and you're like, oh man, I can see how that could come out. Holy Spirit's working on your heart even right now. That could be a place where you just say, Jesus, would you help me in that? Would you help us in that? Could I hit, can I hit another one? I got two more. You say, yes, Pastor Jonathan, please go right ahead. Hit me where it hurts. Do it. Oh, all right. Gossip and slander. Something I've recognized in the body. Something I've, man, does anybody like want to be a gossiper? Like just raise your hand. You're like, you know, it's kind of fun. You know? No, but like we find ourselves in it, even me. And it's like sometimes we don't even realize what it is. And you're like, yeah, I don't, like I'm not a gossiper. And we're like, Oh, well, with that definition you just gave, I think I might be, you know. And, and so I wanted to kind of define it just a little bit. Is that all right? Because, uh, like, for instance, watch this. It's totally okay to talk through conflict with safe people who can help us get to a solution. I just want to tell you, like, I, there's times when I talk through a conflict with a safe person to help me get to a solution. Sometimes it's bigger in my head and my heart, and I'm about ready to go rip somebody, and they need to talk me off the ledge and realize, oh, wait a minute, that's 95% you, Jonathan. Let's just calm down, right? So, like, it's sometimes, it's to be able to talk with a godly, safe person that can kind of give me perspective and give me a solution and, and, and send me towards um, a person, like, that's, that's, that's incredible. That's great. But that's not what we always do, right? That's not usually the motivation. I'm, just, I'm saying, like, nine times out of ten, what we're doing is, I do not feel comfortable with conflict. And it, I need to feel like, uh, like just that this weight would come off my chest, so I'm going to go share my conflict about somebody with somebody else. And hopefully they can make me feel better about myself, like, saying, you're right. Oh, my gosh. Oh my gosh, I can't believe they said that. Yeah, yeah, I know I'm right. Yeah, and so you share it with someone else and you got more than one person to validate. Yeah, yeah, he is so whatever. I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. And you just like, and you're building this thing. That, like, you may have gone first in the intention of venting and getting off your chest. Let me tell you what, like, uh, that's not, that's not healthy. And that's actually sin. It's actually sin. There's a, uh, a phrase I like to use um, called circle of solution when it comes to gossip. It's, am, am, am I part of the solution? Is that person part of the solution? And if they're not, then, they're, then they get to be on the outside. They don't get to know about the information. Are they part of the circle of solution? Um, let me read this. The principle of resolution in any situation like this is if you're not part of the problem or you're not part of the solution then it's none of your business you like that is that good like none of your business none of your biz wags what that was my girls coming out sorry 
circle of solution. I'm part of the solution, and the person I'm talking to is part of the solution. Um, there's an article I read by a guy named Chris Valentin. I wanted to just give just a couple of his points here that might, anyone just like, I just need to know if I'm like in sin or not in sin, and I want to know if I need to repent or not repent. Here, here, here's a couple things that might help. If you're, if you're saying, I, I want to steer clear of gossip, here's a couple things that might help. Watch. Number one, misery loves company, so don't be its friend. So you're, you're like, how do I steer clear of, of gossip and slander? Well, misery loves company, so don't be its friend. Bitterness, jealousy, and offense are magnetic forces that attract like attitudes into their vortex. Right? Okay. Watch number two, if you're taking notes. Offense is like a virus that spreads through the air, so inoculate yourself. Let me show you. So you're starting to see like why gossip arises. You know, you, you see bitterness, you see offense, you, you see misery, loves company. You see, so watch this. Offense is caught through speech, body language, and attitude. A great way to avoid getting infected is to check in with yourself daily to see if your attitude needs adjustment. So I'm just saying, all right, Lord, is there anything in me? Is there anything in me? This is that Holy Spirit Search me and know me. Is there anything in me? Because I don't want to be part of that, of that problem. And then Holy Spirit will show you. Watch this, number, number three. Don't lend an ear if you're not part of the solution. So Chris Valentin said the same thing I said. So it was like, psh, that's pretty cool. Means I'm, I'm on the right track. Wait, pride's starting to set in. That was the first one. Okay, all right. I'm repenting right now in front of you. So your only response should be to send them back to the person they have a problem with. Can I just tell you? All right, so you're in a situation, you're like, I don't know how to do this, I don't know. Okay, let me, let me help you, let me just help you. Someone's talking to you, and, and they're genuine hearts, like they're, uh, like every, uh, like th- we're, not, we're not assuming the worst about somebody, we're just saying they just don't know. And someone comes up to you, and they're talking to you, they're wanting to vent, they're wanting to share, and all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, I'm not part of the solution here. You're, this is what you do, you say, hey, you know what? Like, have you talked to that person? Or maybe you just say, hey, you should go talk to that person. And then, and then just change the subject. You don't have to be like, like I heard a sermon, <laughs> and you're in sin. No, like, don't. no, no but, but get yourself out of that and start to redirect. That's just, is that simple? Was that, was that scary? No, that wasn't scary. And then here, here fourth, this is the last thing. This is, this, is, this is huge. Get to the root of the problem. So what's really going on with people who are gossiping around you? Maybe they're insecure, lashing out to feel powerful. Maybe they don't understand how powerful they are and how their uh, actions are affecting other people. And so you're, so you're sitting here and you're like, how can I be part of the solution? Part of the solution is to, is to help someone understand, wait a minute, like there's something under here. Like why, why do you feel like you need to talk about other people? Or maybe you're the one. And you're like, Pastor Jonathan, I know, like that is my issue. And you just need to sit here and say, Holy Spirit, would you show me why? Like, what's the root here? Why do I fall into this all the time? And Holy Spirit will show you. Anyone feel condemned yet? I hope not. I hope you just feel like Holy Spirit is leading you closer to him because that's an issue that, that we just need to break. Instead, we need to be like championing people. And if we don't, like my mom always said, is it your mom too? Like, if you don't have anything nice to say, just don't say it at all man thanks mom thanks mom ephesians 4 says that too in verse 29 he paul was talking and and he says don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth 
but only what is beneficial to building others up according to what? Their needs. That it may benefit those who listen. All right, number three, and, and this is a big one, and this is actually like the root of the other couple. Watch this, bitterness and unforgiveness. Yeah, this is, a, this is huge. I've, see it, I've seen it in, in our church, and, and uh, we, we mask it under all kinds of, we mask it under like, well, I'm just, I'm just hurt. I'm just, I'm, you know, and so then you get that sympathy thing, and, you know, but um, sometimes we hang on to it way, way too long, and, and, but this becomes one of those things where we don't recognize it as a sin because I've got pain, right? Listen, like, if you've got bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart, like, uh, like I, I, I get it, you need some time to grieve or you need some time to work through your emotions, but eventually, it's just sin. Eventually, that's just what it is. Um, it's interesting how, how much gossip and slander is really rooted in bitterness and unforgiveness. I want you to watch, watch this video because they, they say it a whole lot more funnier than me. What's going on? What? what? Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you doing? What are you doing? Hey, hey, hey. I've been waiting a long time for this. Caleb, Caleb, what, what, what are you doing? Wait, wait, no, 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 Caleb, Caleb! <laughs> There's an arrow in your foot! Caleb, what, what is going on? You know exactly what's going on. No, I don't. What is going on? What? You want to know what's going on? You offended me. When you did this, you did this, and you did this. But I forgive you! No, okay, okay, wait, Caleb, can we please just, just, just talk about this? Let, let's just talk about this. Seriously, we, we, we can figure this. Whoa, whoa, okay, okay, okay. okay. Shh, 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 shh. <laughs> Say you're sorry! I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Louder! I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, so, uh, are we? Are we good? I'm not finished with you yet. Caleb, honestly, I feel like this is just, this is just a little bit of a, seriously, this, this, it's poison. Uh, Caleb, Caleb, wait, no, no, Caleb, 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 please, this is the thing about this, this is the thing about this. 
What? Caleb, what are you doing? You can feel it going down your throat, can't you? Caleb, you have to stop. What? <laughs> Caleb. <coughs> what? What? <coughs> now. <coughs> now we're even. <coughs> Isn't that the truth? Man, I love those visuals. That's like, but man, that's, but that's true. I do that. Man, I've, I've, I've experienced that in my own life where I'm like, oh, it's killing me on the inside. And, and maybe you've experienced that too. And the thing is, is that we, you've got to release people, not for them, but for you. I, I found this with, with unforgiveness, that, it, that the, really the biggest thing of, of why I, I want to not forgive is because they don't deserve it. Like, I don't want to let them off the hook. And, and so I've become like this, where I'm just like, you know, kind of holding them to whatever that might be. And I'll just tell you what, forgiveness is, is less about the other person as it is, it's about you. It's about how free do you want to be. And uh, so, man, that's, isn't that a, that's a big deal. Um, I, wanna, I wanna come back to, to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 3. And Here's a couple of things, just, um, and then we'll be out. Paul's talking, and he says, For my part, even though I'm not physically present, I'm with you in spirit. As one who's present with you in this way, I've already passed judgment in the name of our Lord Jesus on the one who, is, who has been doing this. We see that, that phrase, I've passed judgment. Last week we talked about that. I mean, that is not a, that's an interesting thought. How many of you have been around people, or, or maybe yourself, and you just said, don't judge me? I don't know, a few, I don't know, maybe a couple years ago, we did a Mythbusters series, and we, one, of the, one of the messages was um, about judging. Like, are we allowed to judge people? It's really interesting. I'll tell you about it in just a minute. Verse 4, so, so when you're assembled, and I'm with you in spirit, and the power of our Lord Jesus is present, hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. And I'll tell you a little bit, because we've been kind of, it's been kind of the elephant in the room in these, last week and this week with this guy. Like, really? You had to kick the guy out of church? You had to, like, disassociate? One of the big words that's used throughout church history is excommunicate? This guy, like, really? And I'll tell you what, first of all, this was a last resort. I, I can't remember, I don't even remember a time in my life where this has ever happened in, in church. Anyone, I mean, do you remember a time? Like, I know pastors who have had to leave ministry because of things. I know some, I've never been a part of or seen this actually happen. And there's probably two reasons. Number one is because it's the last resort. Number one, I don't think this even happened a lot in scripture. You can probably think of, uh, I, I can think of like one other time, maybe, maybe another one in the Old Testament. Like this didn't happen a lot. And so that's probably part of it. Um, number two, I wonder if it should happen more. I, I'm trying, I know I say that kind of, t- but I've never seen it done until it tells me, it tells me either it's like, like we, 
we just, like this, this isn't something that you do very often, which is true. But it also tells me how many churches tolerate things that shouldn't be tolerated. I, uh, I think about this guy, and this guy that, w- that they had to remove, like this was the worst. Like this was it, like can we all agree that sleeping with your stepmom's a bad idea? Everyone, the nervous laughter. So we're not talking about, we're not talking about one of the, like, like, like a real little thing. We're talking about big, but it got big. And so where we need to be as a church is that, is that we love people enough that we say, man, that's just like, can we, you're better than that. Like there's so much more in you than that. Let's pull out the golden people so that we don't someday get to that place where someone's like, like oh my goodness. This guy thought that he was right in this church. You know, by, by the church tolerating it, they were endorsing it. And this guy would never have gotten free if they didn't. Now, can I give you, a, can I give you like a, a sneak peek into Second uh, Corinthians? This guy comes back to God. This guy in Second Corinthians, he's the guy, like he actually comes back to the Lord because, he, because they, they let him go and the Bible says turned him over to the destruction of his flesh. I know it sounds really crazy, but, but in other words, he was able to like, like the prodigal son. Do you remember when the prodigal son was at the end of his ropes and he's in the pig pen and he comes to his senses? Like that's the moment that this guy had when he realized, man, God, I love you. Like I want you. That's what the goal was here. It doesn't work as well in our society. You want to know why? Because there's too many churches. <laughs> there's like, like what would happen? I mean, honestly, I think about this. I'm like, even if that would happen today, and I'm just like, let's just use Anna for instance. No, let's, let's maybe not use names. Like, what would happen if there was really someone where like, hey, that, we shouldn't do that here. Like, we shouldn't do that here. Like, that's a sin. Like, what we're going to do is you need to actually leave and not come back un- until that's dealt with. What, what would happen? Well, there's like a hundred other churches they could go to. So, so w- the, the first part of what happens in this verse is that, is that the church is protected because th- this is a corporate thing. This is, there's a body and, and that sin was kind of like leaven. And you read in these other verses that it's kind of permeating the body. And so the church gets protected but that person doesn't, doesn't really get free because they can go to Grace or New Life or Berean or, you know what I'm talking about? Like, I don't know. Like, if one, we're dealing with a, with a cultural thing here back then and today. And so I don't know exactly how this is supposed to walk out, but I know that it can't walk out exactly the way it's supposed to because it's so easy to, to like, jump churches. It really is. Because I don't get to deal with my stuff. I just get to go there. You know, I was telling someone the other day, we, I was at coffee, and I'm like, other people, it's so easy for them to leave. But like, I don't get to. <laughs> I'm like, I don't get to. I'm like, there's been some times when it sucks. Can I, I think I can say that. That's in the original Greek and Hebrew, by the way. There's some times where my heart hurts. There's some times where I'm feeling like, like, my goodness, people, get over yourself. And, and I have to come to church and see you. I don't get to go to another church. I was like, man, that's, that's interesting. What happened here in this church was they had to face their stuff. 
and work it out because there was no other options. You either went to church or you didn't. In our culture, it's a little bit different, and I'm not saying which one's right or, or whatever. And I know, you know, I, I say some of that tongue-in-cheek. There's beautiful reasons to go from one church to another. Sometimes God calls people to another, other places. Sometimes uh, people move and all of that stuff. But I'm saying it shouldn't be as easy as it is. It just shouldn't be as easy as it is. All right, there you go. And, man, I'm going to have to go part three on this. Isn't that, isn't this cool when we're just diving into this stuff? You're like, how many, how many sermons do we get on, like, on church hopping, Bruce? Not very many. Jesus. Can I just say one more thing before we're out? Okay. I want to tell you why, uh, in verse 6, he says this. He says, your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? In, um, in the Passion Translation, he says, boasting over your tolerance of sin is inappropriate. Don't you understand that even a small compromise with sin permeates the entire fellowship just as a little leaven permeates a batch of dough? And uh, this is what was happening in this church. This church in Corinth... They, were, they weren't just tolerating sin. It wasn't just like, man, I don't, I, I don't want to confront it. They were boasting over their tolerance. I was talking with my friend Mitch Ivey that goes to another, uh, he pastors um, Grace Fellowship. And I just said, I said, Mitch, they're talking about your church because, because this is what they were boasting over. We're the Grace Church. We're the Grace Church. We're the church that, like, we, like, like, come to us. We have grace. Like, and how many know that's a good idea to have grace? <laughs> but they were known for that. They were known, like, they were proud. Can you see how warped their thinking was? That this guy was in their fellowship, and they knew that he was sleeping with his stepmom, and, and they were just like, we're the grace church. He's probably leading one of their connect groups. Gosh. I'm like, Mitch, you got to change your church name. Not really. Not really. Um, one more thing. On, in verse 7, he says, Get rid of the old yeast so that you may be new unleavened, a new unleavened batch as you really are. And this was the thought there. Is when it talks about any of you bake with yeast, in that culture, the in, in the spiritual culture anyways, the yeast represented, it wasn't sin, but it represented sin. In fact, when they would do their, um, you know, like their Passover week and all of that, they would get rid of all of the, the leaven, all of the, all of the yeast. They would just get it away because it represented sin. And so, um, so when he's talking about this, he's like, you're actually, like you're living like you're a, like a old piece of bread that's got leaven in it, but you're actually who you really are is a fresh, baked piece of bread. What did he say? He says, like who you really are. Verse 7. You're, may you be a new unleavened batch as you really are. Like he again brings it back. This isn't who you are. You, who you really are is amazing. You're like a, you're like, have you ever, ever just, your mom was baking bread and you're just like, it just smells so good. I mean, like, just like this is who you really are. I just want to encourage you with that. Some of us, need to like do some FaceTime with the Lord. 
Like we just need to get either on our knees or on our face, whether it be today or, or uh, I've, next week I'll probably wrap some of this up and then like in a couple of weeks be super encouraging. Another really encouraging one on like uh, on idols and spiritual adultery. Um, and then uh, we're going to do one a whole, <laughs> are, you, are you feeling for me right now, Christy? You're like, oh, bring it, Pastor. Like what, like in a couple of weeks we're going to talk about repentance, like what repentance actually looks like. Um, and because I really, do you want to know why we're, we're going here? One is because it's, it's in 1 Corinthians. And another reason is because I want revival. Like I really want us to go after the things. And, and is there anything that's holding us back? Is there anything that's hindering? So Pastor Kelly, you can come. And, um, you know, maybe as you, uh, as you were listening today, you're just thinking, you know, one of those, one of those three areas uh, really um, tugged at your heart. And you just want to do some business with the Lord. I would just say, you know, the areas of pride, the areas of gossip, um, both the area, the area of bitterness and unforgiveness. Would you just say, Holy Spirit, would you, would you minister in my heart today? This would be an appropriate thing for you to just, even if you wanted to right there at your seat or come up here to the altar and just say, God, forgive me. <laughs> we didn't get to this part, but there's a verse that says that if I, uh, if I ask for forgiveness, if I sin, and I ask for forgiveness, what is he is faithful and just to forgive me my sin and to purify me from all unrighteousness. This doesn't t- have to take like, like three months to get, to get right with God. It can happen in a moment. You just say, Jesus, I recognize it. In fact, right now, wherever you're at, whatever's going on in your heart, just recognize it as sin, not just a mistake, not just a weakness, but a sin. Say, Jesus, I confess my sin to you right now. And the promise is, is that you said that you would be faithful and just to what? To forgive me of my sin and to purify me of all unrighteousness. In other words, the moment you do that, it's as if you never sinned in the first place. Isn't that good? Jesus, we don't want to tolerate it anymore. We don't want to just call it something different so we feel better about ourselves or feel better about others. But Lord, we just want to call it what it is and get it out of there because we love you and we want to be close to you. Lord, would you minister to every person at the sound of my voice right now from my right to my left all over this place? Would you draw us near? Your kindness leads to repentance. Why don't we stand this morning as the team leads one last song. And if if you need prayer for anything, any area of your life, there'll be some people up here ready to pray with you. But could we just say, God, just love me through this. I want to be close to you. I want to be free. Let's worship. Ever be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips.